Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MonsterCast. Big fallout from Wrestle Kingdom 14, as um, I am, well, I guess I should introduce us. Uh, I'm Jack, obviously, the uh, new New Japan pro wrestling expert, and I am joined by Ryan, who's just here. Um, good shit. Uh... Let's just go ahead and get right into it. Wrestle Kingdom 14, big stuff happening up and down the card. <clears throat> what we liked, what we didn't like from the card. Um, I'll defer to you, even though I'm the new master of New Japan. Well, <clears throat> for the record, guessing fucking booking doesn't make you the master of New Japan. Master. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so there were two ways for that to be booked. It was either going to be them finally giving Naito his shit or them elevating Ibushi. So, um, picking either one of those, the only thing to pick that wouldn't have made sense is Jay White winning both. Um, I there was say, an, cause Okada could have clearly won. Yeah. Okada, Okada could have won both and they could have done that too. So, I mean, honestly, it's just trying to guess where Gato's going within the next year. Um, and, that's kind of. I was texting you a little bit last night about wondering what these the specific booking decisions mean for Ibushi. Because if anything, I would have said that Jay White was the one who could have could have had two losses and it not affected him. Correct. And they had Ibushi take the loss to Jay White. Now, granted, there were bullshit shenanigans and brass knuckles and Gato interferences and all that shit. But Let's still, ahead, hey, before you get into anything, since we already mentioned in Jay White from the jump, um, one. I think he has the coolest wrestling tights in wrestling, by the way, just so y'all know. Um, I don't know how the fuck they get the ridges on the pants, to, like the mummy style, but the, and then the switchblade uh, marks. I love it. But anyway, that aside, there's a lot of fucking rumors going around that he's leaving. Have you heard this? Is this I have contract not, up? I have not heard that he's leaving, no. Um, I've seen all over Twitter of all these places that he should go. Well, yeah... Um, and it's not just no, it's not just regular talk. This is like legit talk, like he's about to leave. I mean, I'm sure his contract might be up soon, but he's got no reason to leave unless he just saying, doesn't like, want to live in Japan anymore. Like, what? I mean, what what would his reason be besides like uh, just to try something new? Because he's already been the world champion there. I don't know if he's going to ever get to Kenny Omega status or anything, but he's li literally just just really began being over Bullet Club. Unless he's just going to pass the torch to Kenta. Kenta. Yeah. Which makes sense by the way that they booked night two, but um, which I texted you about. I was like, uh, how does Jay White feel about this? Uh, where Kenta is now automatically pole vaulted, it seems, into the world title picture, which we'll get into a little bit. But yeah, Jay White is like a name floating out there right now of all these places where he could go and how he could uh, debut and all this other stuff for WWE, AEW, every Ugh. pretty much everybody. Dude, they um, would fuck him up so bad in WWE. Well, what, you can say that about anybody in WWE at this point, but um, uh, I can I can see some people being better off in WWE. Um, Jay White's just definitely not one of them. Matt Taven, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Um, so anyway, so uh, yeah, so that was on the card, but then, but but then he won night two. So unless it, unless that was Gato's way of like trying to coax him into resigning or whatever, hey man, I got your back because you know Gato's not only the Booker, but he's the um. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, the guy for Bullet Club, the outside guy, the on-screen manager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so of course he's gonna push his guys for the most part. Um, I yeah, don't 
I mean, I saw I saw a couple people talking about Jay White and other companies. I didn't think that they actually thought he was going to leave. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think he's got any – unless he's got some personal reason to not want to be in Japan anymore. I mean, he's been at the top of the booking since he came back from Excursion, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It doesn't normally happen that way. Not like, Okada sure. came back from Excursion and fucking got his ass beat by Tanahashi for five years. So – um, uh, they said Naito did pretty good after he came back from Excursion. Like, well, that's when he became like somehow he, he just did, became popular. Well, no, people didn't really like him when he came back from Excursion. Like, he just wasn't he wasn't catching on really. Got you. Um, but and then you know that's when his whole shit happened where they had the vote and all that. Um, but yeah, uh, I he he'd be fine in a lot of places, but I don't. He doesn't have any reason to leave. He's never not been in the top title picture yeah. as long as he's been there. He was U.S. champion and then was intercontinental champion and then was world champion and then was intercontinental champion again. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, he's he'll be fine. I don't think he's going anywhere unless unless he just really doesn't want to live in Japan and he's looking to move somewhere else. But, um, you know, with him being New Zealander, it's not like they have promotions in his home country that are worth the shit, you know? Yeah. But then again, I mean, if you want to play the AEW card, like a lot of people obviously always do when somebody's rumored contract to come up, um, the fact that um, you're only working one right. day a week. I mean, it's not like he works a ton in New Japan either. Okay, compared well, how, to how compared to WWE okay. or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, compared to WWE, but then then I could just go side argument uh not as much wear and tear on the body in the matches that he does have the matches the matches that he does have they're not he he doesn't take i won't say that he doesn't take some crazy bumps now and then but he do, he's not out there like a bushy fucking getting slammed on his neck 30 times for a throwaway match you well, know he, he doesn't really have to either right i mean it doesn't it wouldn't fit his it, style style yeah. yeah he's a very much a heel slow worker um, Could you yeah. see him working like really well and getting super popular in AEW? Maybe more popular in AEW than he's within he'll ever be in New Japan. I think well, he has the look and he definitely can talk. So, I mean, he'd be fine in AEW. The thing is, he's not. Uh, he is popular in Japan. He's just popular for being a heel. Yeah. So it's like it's a little bit different. Um, I mean, yeah, he'd be he'd be fine in AEW. He'd be he'd probably be fine in WWE. Honestly, he's one he's one of the guys where. If they threw him in main roster and made him a big deal immediately, he'd be fine. Um, but if they tried to bring him over through NXT and all that shit, I, I feel like he'd end up in kind of like the Ziggler role. I feel like if he uh, went to AEW, it would only have to be when Omega wins the AEW championship finally, and then he comes in and says, you know. Yeah, whatever he wants yeah, to say. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe. I don't know. I hope he just stays in New Japan. Uh, they need... They need good heels there. Um, they've only got a few, so I agree. Like, but I mean, they pretty much need good heels in every promotion, and AEW really has who New, Jericho and New Japan MJF. has a real problem with it though, like because everybody does such good work that everybody's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I know. Like, I mean, you could see Abushi and fucking Naito, uh, Naito, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I'd say it both ways, depending on <laughs> when I say it. But they were both playing heels night one and night two. Yeah. Uh, Naito was... Fucking Naito was fucking fisting, fisting. Yeah. He was, he was God against, damn. He was a heel against Okada, and Naito was a, a face against Jay White, but then Naito was playing fucking heel against Okada the next night and spitting in his face three times during the match. I like when he spit on... Uh, red shoes. 
Yeah, and, and Rich and it, sold it like he got punched. <laughs> but but uh, also, Naito told Rich to get the fuck out of the ring, basically, at the end, too, when he yeah. won the title or whatever. Yeah. Which is really well, um, I mean, LIJ has never been like a... Yeah, it's like a Austin... It's like a staple of... Yeah, they're not, a, they're yeah, not they a heel or face yeah, 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 they don't give a fuck about anybody. Yeah, I get it. I mean, um, you got a dude in there, name is Evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know. By the way, is it just me, or do am I the only one that likes Evil more than Sonata? I, I like, like Evil more than Sonata. I like Evil more than Sonata, too. I feel like yeah. they should be... Those roles Dude, should be switched. I I lost my shit in the G1 where Evil beat Okada, and it was the first time that Okada had been pen clean in fucking forever. And Evil beat him in a G1 match. It was, I was... I was lit, boy! <laughs> um, I was pretty lit last night um, watching that main event. Um, yeah, like, it wasn't the best... Wrestle Kingdom main event or anything, but just because, you know, I put so much stock. I put, yeah, that's true too. Um, I put so much stock into Naito winning. So him finally getting it. And that one time that I really thought he got it and that motherfucker still kicked out. Okada still kicked out. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Um, so things that we didn't like before we get into more of that. Um, one, I didn't like how many false finishes there was on night one, because then it was like, okay, now we're going to get 20 fucking false finishes on night two in a fucking single match. Which was kind of ridiculous, and I know oh. New Japan is kind of known for that. But yeah. night one, then going into night two, kind of ridiculous to me. Um, well, see on that there. So the WWE match formula is: guy starts winning, second guy comes back, third guy starts winning, guy comes back and wins, or just continues to beat down and loses. And the way it works in New Japan is there's like eight or nine back and forth that way. And then they do whatever the finishing sequence is, which usually includes a false finish. Or it just includes, like, three finishes in a row to make sure the motherfucker stays down. Yeah, I um, mean, that's a, that's a PWG thing, too, honestly. Yeah. Uh, which is, I'm sure, where they got it from, uh, New Japan. But, uh, right, PWG right. got it from New PWG Japan, got I mean. got it yeah. from New Japan, right. um, but, uh, but just the fact that, like, okay, so, okay, so you know how we were talking and arguing about Dolph Ziggler's Famouser, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, they got, like, eight Famousers. Eight different fucking moves. They all got its own name, even though it's like an actual, just a regular well, move. And then they do, like, the Destino or whatever. Okada, Okada's only got, like, three major things. He's got the Tombstone, he's got the Rainmaker, um, and then he's got, like, the Super Rainmaker. Uh, and then Naito's got his... I don't even know what the, uh, I don't know uh, what they Stardust. called the last it's called one. called Stardust Flash. Well, they got that because he did that, and that's when I thought he won right there. I thought that's when he won. That's the moment where I was like, oh, shit, he got it because he went back got... to his old move. Yeah. He hasn't gotten a pin off of that in a long time. Um, but, but he yeah, had that, hit it that, right that... after a Destino, though. Right. That would have been cool. Um, but, yeah, people like Osprey is really who has, like, ten different fucking yeah, special moves. The Stormbreaker and Oscutter. The, the uh yeah. what's the the final blade or whatever the fuck it's called where he hits him in the back of the head with the thing the giant like a sword. Yeah. yeah. Hidden blade. Yeah hidden blade, yeah that's it. Um too many Assassin Creed video games for him I guess. Um also uh shit don't even get started on Kenny Omega. That yeah, motherfucker's no, got his, nine his straight his straight fucking moveset is named after fucking video games. Doctor Wiley Bomb. Um but uh Total they got Russia. they got um Okada has the, um, I mean, not Okada, but Naito also has the fucking, okay, the new move that he broke out to win. Are you talking about Hiromu? No, 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 no. Was it Hiromu? No, it was Hiromu. He broke out a new move on Osprey, right? Yeah. But it was so. just a variation of his other move. 
Yeah, it was like a he lifted the leg and did it like a dry. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't as big as what I. It was thought like it was a. Be. It was more like a super finisher than it was a new finisher to me. But I'm surprised that it wasn't a top rope move, considering he's the that was the junior heavyweight championship or whatever. Well, the way he wrestles is not. Uh, you might have noticed compared to other junior heavyweights, he's not super high flyer. Yeah, but neither was he, ever ne- Liger. Would never really was either. Yeah, right. Liger just gave gave you the assumption that he was like he would. Throw in about three high fly moves there. Sasuke and Ultimo Dragon, they were the fucking high flyers. Liger just did it every now and then just to make you think, like give uh, uh, the perception that he was a high flyer, but he never really was a high flyer. Somebody posted a, a little clip of um, him versus Brian Pillman. Yeah. And uh, like they had, for the time, it was high flying yeah, stuff, Hurricane yeah, yeah. stuff, and Brian Pillman Jr. Jr. coming on, he's like a couple of spot monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, they they do have a lot of special moves, and it's, hor- it's fucking hard to keep up with all of them for some people. Omega's I only know just because I've been watching him so long, but he's got at least eight signature moves. So yeah, it's it's weird. Um, and then Ibushi's got a few, but some of his are like borrowed. Like he oh yeah, he's, I saw he did a lot of moves that from did, yeah. Shinsuke. Yeah, he did a lot and, of stuff from other people. Yeah, he's got the the Phoenix Splash that he does every now and then, and he's got the um, Kamigoye, which is his real finisher. So, <clears throat> yeah, he's got a few too. Um, Jay White's really only got the. I mean, nobody considers anything else other than his uh, Switchblade shit the actual finisher, you know? Yeah, and they got okay. So early on in the match, I can't remember if it was. I think it was against Ibushi when he did the tombstone on the fucking apron, right? That was against Ibushi? I believe it was. Talking about Okada? Yeah. Yeah. That was fucking sick. That was yeah, sick. he was... <laughs> Ibushi was about to lawn dart him, and then he countered it. Yeah, they, okay, a... they countered it like five times on the apron, so I never, yeah. I really didn't know who the fuck was going to get. I thought Ibushi had him for a second. I was like, oh shit. Ibushi looked really good in that match, and the... I... <clears throat> I don't, I don't get where they're going with his booking unless there's a, unless there's an AEW partnership that we don't know about. Because otherwise, what do they do with him at this point? You know, you know the way that you said it on the prediction show for Wrestle Kingdom 14, how you said Gato could rub it in the face of Omega by having Ibushi be double champion. You never really said that he could also rub it in Omega's face by leaving by having Ibushi just lose his best friend twice in a row on the biggest stage and rub it in that way too. Yeah, but that's the thing too. I don't, I don't see that as, I don't think that's what it is at all. Um, that would be kind of, I don't know. When they, when they have little business grudges over there too, it's never, they don't do shit to other people out of spite so much. That's more of a WWE thing. But was to me. It, but what did they ever have a problem, or did they ever have a grudge rather with somebody that was as high caliber as Kenny Omega leaving? It still wouldn't make sense to fuck with one of your long-term signed talents just because of that. I'm just saying. I'm like, Abushi finally Abushi finally bit the bullet and was like, okay, yeah, I'll sign with you guys for like five years or whatever the fuck it was. And, and that's what you do. I mean, that's not... I don't. Think I mean, I'm, I'm just saying they might have longer-term plans for him. I just don't know what they are. Well, they, whatever they are, they are. They better get on it because if they did mother... start to change his character a little bit, they, well, yeah, some of that, I mean, that Terminator shit he was pulling—that's new. He was fucking, <laughs> well, he was also getting booed out of the building during that match too. Well, he was close punch <laughs> or close fist punching fucking Okada in the face, 
several times, and that was a loud goddamn noise, too. And I don't really understand um, the fact that the announcers had a problem with it, because if you think about it, this is the biggest Wrestle Kingdom little tournament. I don't know what they were saying. The biggest Wrestle Kingdom... Well, I don't know what the Japanese guys were saying either, but I assume that they did the same thing. Everybody acted like Obushi was doing this really bad thing, but Obushi's trying to win the fucking two titles yes, but that's in illegal. two nights. I don't care. He didn't get disqualified, so he did get warned, and then Red Shoes pulled his goddamn arm away, and while he was pulling him away, he just Okada sit there kicking him. That's fine. The damage had been done. The f- damage yeah. had been done. Kayfabe style, you do whatever you have to do to win the match. So it made sense. Like I don't understand why the announcers had such a problem with it when this is the biggest main event in New Japan history where you're going to be the first double champion ever, you fucking hit him in the nuts if you can get away with it. I don't give a fuck. You're trying to walk out of there with double double titles. That's not honorable. Nah, I don't care. Spitting in someone's face three times during the match ain't honorable either, but... Yeah, but I'm cheating. Well, you're not supposed to do anything to the eyes, but okay. Spit is long established as a Japanese culture. Um... If it wasn't illegal, then the the green mist would be legal. (laughs) Uh, look, that's just a biological function. He yeah, can't help okay. It. Um, okay. In kayfabe, so that's just part of his glandular makeup. What I didn't <laughs> like also from Wrestle Kingdom 14, uh, I didn't like night one Liger's team losing. Made zero sense with the fucking legends that were on his team. Fujinami, the second ever IWGP champion, and like I believe he ended up winning like four or five times, I can't remember. We're talking about guy who beat fucking Antonio Inoki, guy who wrestled Vader. Uh, he was on there. Uh, Tiger Mask and Sasuke and Liger. And then across the ring, while decorated, nowhere close to the four guys I just mentioned. There's no reason Liger's team should have lost that match. He, they weren't putting anybody over in that match that's going to take <clears throat> off in New Japan right. over this next year or even two or three hey, years. Fujiwara's got to come back in him. I don't know if that's the funky weapon guy, but I don't no, that's really Taguchi. care. Okay, well, that's the one that got the pin on Liger, which makes zero fucking sense to me. Yeah, um, you also don't know if Liger asked for that, so I wouldn't get too upset about it. But if he asked for it, I believe Liger would have said Yano could beat him. Yano. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, that's his. That was his mate first like big rivalry. I just I don't see that. Um, the thing is, I don't have a problem with any of this because it doesn't matter. Um, no, it matters to me. I mean, whether he goes over or not, it doesn't change anything. And he still wasn't going over on night two. I don't care. So. If he knew, I didn't. I already knew he wasn't going over on night two, or I would have picked him on night two. But he, there, he definitely should have been over on night one. One of these two nights, for all the shit that he's done for New Japan, are going against another just as old team. Old fuck, old fucks over there. There's three old fucks and one guy that's actually, like, actually out there all the time, and he ain't doing shit relevant. The thing is, though, in in New Japan too, there's the attitude that like you don't retire when you're still able to win. So putting Taguchi over and having him get the pin because he's still active and younger, and like that kind of, it, it kind of makes sense. Um. And you're going to see the same thing when Nagata finally goes. So, I mean, he's not going to win his last few matches either. I'm, I mean, I don't know how God you view, I, I don't just know how, you, how old Yuji Nagata is. I don't know how you view Yuji Nagata, but Liger is a bigger star than Yuji Nagata. I'm not saying that. So I don't really care if Nagata goes out the same way. That's not the same thing. They're not the same to me. 
Unless you're just generalizing them all as, all as neutral. I'm talking about legends. just yeah. Well, I mean that's not the same to me, so it doesn't matter. Well, one of us is a lagger fanboy, very upset about something that like they Eugene do all Nagata. the time. Um, I'm just saying they do that all the time. It's, it's not really that big a deal. That was a big deal to me. At least, <laughs> at least on night one. Still real um, to me, damn it. Um, let's see. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? Jericho winning. Are you talking about bad things? Are we talking about good things or what? No, I don't care which things. It's all of it. Yeah, we're talking about. Uh, yeah. I'm, so this is. Uh, I was kind of talking about this already, but um, I don't. I I was of the impression that there was definitely no AEW partnership impending or otherwise, but. It's it's weird to me how prominently they let the AEW title get displayed and like talked about and fucking held up it before their match on their biggest show of the year. Like it that was kind of weird to me. And that's either something that Jericho argued for to make the match seem bigger or it's because something else is going on that people are intentionally trying to downplay. Um and Meltzer's done that before when he's had inside information about shit he would like he'll intentionally make it sound like it's not what it is so that the doesn't get spoiled or whatever yeah yeah i mean we're pretty much playing deal or no deal right now with new japan and AEW. yeah um so just how much they talked about it um and how how prominent it was on the show and then also new year's dash is when they do all the big major angles to set up the next coming year correct and isn't that on the sixth I think it's tonight. Yeah, yeah. tonight. The six, well, it will be the six by the time the it comes six over on. there, right? So, if there is some sort of partnership, then what makes sense? That's the only way to me that Abushi's booking right now makes sense because I don't see where else they go with him from here. Because they just had him get beat down twice by Jay White, and he's got nobody to come out and save him. And Jay White's still leader of the Bullet Club and all that shit. Like it's it's weird to me that they would do that unless they had something in in mind for him where he's going to get it back in some way. Do you not think it's weird to have... Okay, so that they changed Wrestle Kingdom to be two straight days, right? And you still oh. kept New Year's Dash the day after that? Isn't that weird? Mm. That's a lot of fucking wear and tear on the bodies that, that soon. I mean, these are hard-hitting matches we're talking about. And we were already worried about people getting hurt night one and not even making it to night two. Now you got to fucking make it to night three so that you can be involved in a, a year-long storyline. New Year's Dash, the matches aren't as intense. It's mostly just, like, they can be. There's good matches at New Year's Dash, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's not like they're out there swinging like Ishii every match. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not quite the same. Um, so, and there's a lot of multi-man tag, stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, multi-tag teams, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I didn't did, like... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, didn't good. Like, I didn't like... Uh, I didn't like Kenta coming out. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, that's like exactly where I was going to go, because I was about to say, you just said that they set up the new storylines, and that's what I basically read as well for tonight, which I'll be watching. Yeah, um, this shit... But then they kind of did it the night before, which makes no sense. So do you think that actually... Did, do you think they did that in some way um, possible so that people tune in when they find out there's another show tonight, especially like trying to carry over the American fans that just stayed up two nights in a row to watch it? Hey, we got another show. Let's see what happens with the Kenta thing because they know who Kenta is if they paid attention to WWE at all. Um, as far as the American fans, obviously, um, as Hideo Tommy, and um, I, I don't think any American fan that knew him from being Hideo Hideo Tommy really gives a shit about 
like any of that if they're watching now that they're not watching because oh yeah that's not impossible that somebody could have been a big Hideo Itami fan when he was <laughs> when he was in like, NXT. Okay, that's not impossible to not have heard All of right. some somebody and then he was getting pushed on NXT until he got hurt multiple times, right. and every time he came back he was getting pushed again. I don't think until he went to 205 Live, of course. I don't know. I don't see that. But anyway, to the bigger point, um, it, that's the reason it irritated the fuck out of me though was because you've got New Year's Dash already. You've got this, like, major historic moment with Naito finally, like, getting to the culmination of this years-long, like, extremely long-term storytelling. Yep. Um, it ha- And they're, like, ready to have his moment. He talks on the mic for a little bit. He's holding up his belts, like, whatever. And some people were like, oh, well, you know, he already had his moment. He was in there for, like, five minutes by himself with the belts and all that's that. That's just people that don't watch the end of Wrestle Kingdoms. That's, and that's like, all that dude, is. That's not how that goes. It's, yeah. There's always like a long promo at the end. Supposed the flowers. Yeah, and confetti flowers, and all that shit. The girls are supposed to be in there. All of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The so, confetti. Yeah, exactly. I was waiting for the confetti too. That never happened. Yeah. So then having Kenta run out, and it, there's two reasons that's annoying this shit to me. One is just because, A, just let the moment breathe a little bit. And then do this shit the next night. But the other reason is you just booked this guy to lose his title to Goto earlier yes, on the show. Exactly. Why is he running out and like claiming that he has that he's gonna do challenge anything. for the next double titles? Yeah. You could do this on New Year's Dash and it would not have affected anything at all. We all know he's not gonna win. Yeah, exactly. So who like why are you ruining the moment for this? That's what I'm saying. And that kinda also plays back into the Jay White thing where I think Kenta might be taking over well if if the Jay White thing had any legs at all, this could be their way to get Kenta to be the new leader of Bullet Club. Yeah, who you also gotta, speaks you Japanese and the, English as well, by the way, which would help them. You gotta wonder in K Fabe, like Jay White lost his chance to, to fight for these double titles, had the whole promo about his destiny and stuff and yeah. like how he's going to take it out on Ibushi the next night and yeah, whatever. And then he did take it out on Ibushi. Right. Why wouldn't he be the one to attack instead of Kenta? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. If you were going to have anybody to fuck up the moment, it should have been Jay White or, you know, Kenny Omega or anybody new that, you know, in Jericho. Now on the flip side of Jericho that, would have made sense too, by the way. Yeah. Trying to be the first ever triple champion, triple champion. And he's the one that lost the intercontinental title to Naito. Is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they've already had a little, thing to go on them so i could have continued that and be like hey you've got both of them i've been a i've been i've had two belts before now i want three boom the first ever super undisputed champion yeah, exactly i mean pretty much yeah i mean it writes itself and but... it would have made more sense and it, then you wouldn't have had anybody talk about the aw njpw partnership as much as they are today because then you would have understood why they showed the aw title so much when he came out because now he's trying to make it a three title thing for himself right yeah Yep, which he wouldn't win, obviously. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, but still. <laughs> but it would be cool. Yeah. Come out there like Ultimo Dragon eventually, boy. <laughs> yeah. um... With world titles, son, the real deal. <laughs> right? None of this light heavyweight shit. <laughs> um... <laughs> the Ultimo Lion. Uh, so, that could have all waited till New Year's Dash. I didn't or, like or that. No, Super Liger, or whatever the fuck he was called. Ultra Liger, whatever, Dark Liger, whatever the fuck he was when he was the bad Liger against Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. When he was real young in his career. Right. They After said the, they said Corazon the, de Leon. Well, they said the match was really bad, and that's why they never had him appear as him again. But it was Jericho under the mask, 
Mm. And the match was so bad because Jericho didn't know how to fucking wrestle with that fucking mask on. It was, and the match ended up being terrible. So they just got rid of the whole thing, and it never happened again. But Liger posted a picture of himself, or uh, Jericho posted posted a picture of himself as the the bad Liger or whatever, and when everybody was saying thank you Liger or whatever, it was pretty funny. Mm. Well, uh, yeah. So I, the only the only the only way that I can justify it is they knew that it would immediately give Kenta, like, a ton more heat. Like he, But the thing is, he didn't need it. He's already got a ton from attacking Shibata. So... What, who do you think shows up tonight? We had Renee Young go with John Moxley, right? John Moxley had also a similar instance with his shit where Suzuki came out. So that was different to me. That's... There was no... But it's no... still setting up something before you needed to. You could also oh, set that up on that New Year's was... Dash. That was cool as fuck, though. I don't even care. Yeah, I mean, it was cool, um, but it doesn't change the fact that it could have happened at New Year's Dash. I think it made more sense than the Naito one it did. It was Moxley's fucking first two nights ever being in the Tokyo Dome. You could gave him his moment, too. Let him enjoy it. But he already, like, so his moment, to me, was beating Archer. The Juice shit, it was kind of throwaway, and it was clearly just to close out their feud. Like, it wasn't, Juice never had a credible chance of winning that match. Ever. Not after he won the tag titles, he didn't. Not even before, honestly. I don't. They don't. They don't put that title back on Juice. Juice, to me, they've sort of already decided US uh, during World Tag, tag League. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna do tag for a while. Um, by the way, so, happy for those two guys to win. By the way, that yeah, was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. Um, David Finley's a lot better than I thought he was. I keep getting him and Chase Owens mixed up, but David Finley's way better <laughs> than Chase Owens. David Finley is good, as he should be with his last name. Yeah. Um. So I um. I, I never really considered that Juice was going to win anyway, so that whole match to me was... I kind of expected someone to come out at the end of that match already. I just didn't know who it was going to be. Yeah. Um. So I, when as soon as Suzuki's music hit, dude, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go, we hype now. Because um, that's what I've wanted to see since he, since he went over. Uh, I've, I've wanted to see Moxley Suzuki since I originally very first saw that video package where it, re it was revealed that it was John Moxley against Juice sending those videos or whatever. I was like, oh, fuck, that means Mox is in New Japan. We get to see him against Suzuki? Yeah. That was the first thing that came to my mind. So um, I'm I'm excited about that. But no, I, I didn't see that the same way as I saw the Kenta Naito thing, just because he had already had his moment on night one. Um, he won the title back. That's it. And this was more of just like a closing up a feud defense thing. It made total sense for someone to come out. Um, whereas the Naito thing, man, just they – they really should have just given given that some time to breathe. Do you like, uh what is the deal with the John Moxley's finishing move in Japan versus the US? So it's the same it's the same move, they just call it something different. They just call it the Death Rider. And Death Rider instead of the paradigm shift, and then he's got the super version of it where it's elevated. Yeah, he picks him up on the head. That's the, like a, see like I thought it was the paradigm shift was just the double arm DDT, but they Kevin Kelly just called it the double arm DDT. Then when he went to do the Death Rider during the do through the two tables on Archer they call it the Death Rider, and I was like, that looked exactly the same, except he just yeah. went went further up with it. So, so why, both, why, both. but why is he using different ones in each one? Is it a New Japan wants control of the name, or what? What's the going on? Because he's actually known as Death Rider as his nickname in New Japan. So why yeah. didn't he carry that over to AEW? Because it's the a cool paradigm shift ship. thing was the paradigm shift was uh, based on that promo. Yeah, the promo. That yeah, I got had. that. But that's it. That's literally all it is. Um, and Death Rider, it's one of those things that sounds cool to Japanese people, but I think in an American context, that would be weird. 
like his his DDT is called the Death Rider. I don't know. I think uh, it sounds cool as shit. It's not a, it's not a New Japan thing. It's not they're not trying to control anything or anything like that. I mean, if you really think about it, he was that first. Yeah. Um. So no, I think if anything, he just somebody else decided to call it Paradigm Shift over in AEW afterward. Um. The other thing about that is if he really wanted to be called Death Rider in both, I'm sure that he could swing his dick and, and have that happen. So, um, no, there's no, I don't think that has anything to do with brand copyright or anything like that. I don't think you can copyright a finishing move name. But anyway, um, well, I mean, yeah, it's also his there, nickname it's the same. in New Japan. That's what I'm saying. Right. It is. Well, yeah. they don't use Death Rider at all in AEW, no. and I think they should. If they don't want to call his move that, that's fine. But Death Rider John Moxley sounds fucking awesome. His jackets are cool. Yeah, and exactly. Just, and that too. All the of jacket it. He gave, the jacket he gave Shoto is cool. <laughs> his adopted son. Oh, speaking Shoto. of tag champs, congratulations to Yo and Show, who I also got right. That was cool. Yeah, they won back. Yeah. Um, that I mean, like I said, that just makes sense. Show and Yo are an actual tag team, and it makes sense to put the junior heavyweight tag titles back on them. Um, whereas Taiji Ishimori and uh, Phantasmo, they're not really tag team guys, and I think they're going to go back to pushing them as as junior singles so that uh, Hiromu has something to do, because Osprey's obviously not going to stay in the division, so they need more. Osprey might not be going anywhere very soon, because I'm pretty sure I read reports that he might have broken his heel on the fucking Sasuke special, the second he one. He did, but, I mean, that's... That's not a that's not like a long term injury, broken heel. I feel like it is for a guy that does all the shit that he does. Omega had the same injury and worked the entire G one with it. Like it's not a Omega don't do what Osprey does, where he's literally landing on his feet like that constantly. He's putting all his weight. I mean, he did it like three times in a row. That's I'm pretty sure that's why it gave out the way it did. <clears throat> and either way, it's only like a six week. I'm surprised week he never fucked his knees up, the... honestly. It's only it's not a long term injury. It's like six weeks to heal. That's not a big deal. You only have to miss one show to fucking lose your title. So, well, he doesn't have a title to lose. So he's still he already lost. Get, it. He's still gonna get lost in the shuffle. I think. I don't think Osprey's ever gonna. Osprey has established himself enough to where I don't think he's ever gonna get lost in the shuffle. Well, Everybody's right now. He's excited. lost in the shuffle because he's not gonna get the title match against Takahashi again. So where does he go from here? He's a, he has a story that we don't know what's going on. Yeah, um, I would imagine you're going to see two distinct tiers of heavyweights breakout, where one is going to be vying for Naito's Intercontinental title, and the other is going to be vying for his World Championship. Uh, they're probably only going to do so many matches that are for both titles, and Naito's probably going to win all of them, but eventually they're going to have to find some way to separate them again. Yeah. So, I mean, they got, like I, like we said on the last show, they have a lot of options as far as who can go after these two titles. And by the way, just because you separate them doesn't mean that they are not still super close together. Because let's say Osprey is healed or whatever, and he gets to fight Naito, and he wins against Naito. Well, guess what? That means he beat the world champion, too, technically. So that doesn't mean he can't beat the world champion when the world title's on the line, if that's the way they're going to go. But how they're going to end up doing it is whoever beats him for the Intercontinental is obviously going to make that argument. They're going to say, oh, I want to wrestle for the world now, and Naito's going to beat him. And that's just how they're going to keep him separate. So I mean, they're all close together because you got Moxley as the fucking U.S. champion. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. Like, there's so much. Um, it, it's kind of like we were talking about. I think last week, there's a lot of people at the top of their title chase picture for both the IC and the world, and it's it's very commingled, and it does have that same like 
you know, attitude era feel where you've got so many credible guys that could come in and win any time. Yeah. I mean, and that's, wow. I mean, that's, that's good. I'm counting, um, I'm obviously counting Naito twice right in this moment, but even, <laughs> even though before that you had three main event guys with three different titles that are three different technically tiers, but you had three main event dudes do it who all could have been world champions. And uh, Moxley is like, how many, how many, Matt, do the, okay. So do the G1 losses count as losses on the actual records? On their actual yeah. records? Okay, so... But they don't really keep, like, records. But I'm just... I'm, but, well, like, Moxley's, like, got, like, what? An 80, 85, 90% win-in percentage in New Japan so far? Uh, I think it's less than that. Because he won, he won against Umino, then he did the G1, and then he won two matches last night. So he's got... set. He's 7-4. and four. He's 7-4 and four total? 7-4 and four total, yeah. Well, how many... Not counting, not counting tag matches that he did with Shota. Yeah. Singles matches, he's seven and four. You're you're already counting the time when he had the U.S. title before. Oh shit! Right, he yeah. did beat Juice. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and so he he's never eight lost and four. It. Yeah, so he's eight and four because he beat Juice. He never defended against anybody after that either, did he? Mm, I can't. T- I couldn't tell you. Oh, he did. Yeah, so I think he's eight and four then. Because that's so why everybody thought he was going to be in Texas for the New Japan U.S. show, and he didn't. He didn't so show his, up. His debut match, I forgot about. That was Juice, obviously. So yeah, he he did, had the singles match against Juice where he won the belt, and then he announced that he wanted to be in the G1. Goes into the G1 uh, pre-show match for the very first night, beats Shota Umino in the in his singles match, and then kidnaps him basically and turns him into his tag partner for the rest of the G1. Um, and then he had he went four and four in the G one, and then he beat Archer and Juice again. So he should yeah he should be eight and four. So he's like he's got sixty six percent win percent or yeah I think eight out of twelve is two thirds. So yeah he's got like a sixty six percent win percentage. So which is the which is the show that he couldn't make? Um, King of Pro Wrestling. You know, I don't even remember, honestly. Because he um, beat Robinson in their first match at the Best of Super Juniors finale right. on June 5th, okay? Then, was he, whenever did the, the typhoon then was. he did the G1. Okay, so it had to be that had to be what it was then. Um, Yeah, it was whenever the fuck the typhoon was, because that's why he couldn't make it. It was just the, the weather stopped his plane. But then he had the uh, elbow <laughs> issue with the... Um, yeah. But she still has taped up all the time, by the way. Yeah, the staff infection. Yeah, staff boy. infection. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. Uh. So records don't really matter so much there. I mean, he's still going to be in the in the top picture anyway. Here's the here's the interesting thing to me. What do they do with Archer now? Yeah. They could move him up to challenging for major titles too. I worry. I worry about him getting lost lost in the shuffle because he definitely, um, deserves to be up there too, and I don't. Like and I, I think I mentioned this last week too, but I feel bad that he's going to be kind of seen as like a transitional champion because Moxa couldn't make it, because he he fucking killed it with his run, like as far as being a credible threat and like um, his promo work was really good and uh, his match against Juice was super good. So um, I don't know. I hope I hope they find something for him to do. Uh, but he's he's also forty two. You I think. don't really think that Suzuki and. Amber, or Moxley is going to be a year-long thing, though, right? You mean like, are they going to feud until next Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No. So, okay, so no. he'll he'll go against 
Suzuki. You can easily plug in Tanahashi there because he lost to Jericho. He's not going anywhere back up. Not anytime soon. But he did just sign a five new year five year deal and Tanahashi and Moxley have not fought yet, so that'd be a cool match to see. You also have um uh 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 Jay White. He could go against yeah. uh Moxley, that'd be cool to see and would make sense. And I'm then, not worried about Moxley having No, 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 I'm just saying. About... I'm I'm getting to your point. With those guys going to fight Moxley for the US title, you do have spots open for the Intercontinental title where Archer and Osprey could enter the Intercontinental title picture instead. Yeah. I think I think Archer's Intercontinental champion would be interesting. Cuz it would be hard for a lot of dudes to challenge him credibly. Just because of the way he's been built up, like it's um it's definitely interesting. <clears throat> I believe he beat Tanahashi in the G one too. Um Yeah, Bushi would probably have to go for IC two right now because he's lost twice in a row on the God, biggest stage. I don't know what they're doing with the Bushi, man. That's so confusing to me. Like I when I was picking him to win, that was more of a I want him to win pick than it was like a I one hundred percent think he's going to win pick. Um because I just I, I thought it it would it's obviously Naito's time or whatever, but it's also Ibushi's time, and it has been for a while. So, um, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I don't with know him. if it's Ibushi's time like it was Naito. It was no way. I mean, that's well, nobody's been put off as long as Naito has. So that's some Booker, that's fucking, some Booker T shit right there. Yeah, Booker T, Kurt Henning level. Yeah. <laughs> so Kofi, yeah. Kofi up there too. Kofi, yeah. Kofi up there too. All right. So uh, overall, what would you give Wrestle Kingdom 14 as far as a grade? Do we do, we like, do grades? Well, yeah, we, we do don't. grades. We do grades. We right? do, yeah, A minus. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do, we've been doing yeah. grades. So yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to give that an A plus. There's the the minor issues with it were not enough to detract from how good the wrestling was. And you're doing it for how, both nights. Yeah, and how much everything made sense, like how much it flowed into each other. Yeah, dude, we're not we're not we're not including the pre-show stuff then. On that, did you have a problem with some of the pre? Are you I still mean, mad about the Liger? No, no, no. Really? I mean, no, I am mad about the Liger thing, but that's not going to make me go down or <laughs> up a full grade. Maybe a fucking plus or minus or something like that, but not a full grade. But fucking, uh, just I don't. I'm not a huge fan of all the four on four matches in general. It just it's kind of boring. I'll warm up shipping. Like, I don't consider that part of the card. Like, I I mentally separate all the multi-man tag stuff, unless it's specifically for, like... The titles. For the titles, yeah. yeah. I like that one. So, yeah, right, and that one was good, because it was for the titles. Because um, they the multi-man tag stuff, when it's a non-title match, is normally just kind of filler warm-up content for the audience, and, like, you know, I, I never really read that much. I mean, here's here's an interesting thing, too, and I brought this up um, on Twitter the other day. It's crazy how somebody can go from being in that undercard, like the multi-man tag shit, one year, and then be wrestling for a title against, like, a major name the next year. Because last, last Wrestle Kingdom, Lance Archer lost a fucking multi-man gauntlet tag match for number one contender for the three-man titles. And then this year, he's wrestling against John fucking Moxley for a title that he's defending against Moxley. Like that's that's a pretty crazy jump. So I mean it's not like there are throwaway guys on these things. It's just uh throwaway you know, matches. 
Yeah, throwaway matches. But, uh, okay, so with that being said, and Liger losing, and the fact that both of the main events of the night weren't even the best matches. Well, no, no, that's not true. The, okay. Night two, one, the main event was definitely. Yeah, the, the night best one. Match. Eh, no. No, it's not. You thought there was a better match on night one than Okada Ibushi? Yes. Who? Osprey and Hiromo. I've got that as my number two, so I, I'll give it to you, but I, did, I thought Ibushi and Okada was better. I actually don't even have Ibushi and Okada as my number two either, but we'll get into that right now if you want. We'll take a break and we'll get back into <laughs> it. Well, I'm serious. Um, we'll get back into – we'll come back on the other side of this break and get into our top five since uh, we already kind of got into it. We'll see what, see what you got for your top five. <clears throat> Hey everybody and welcome back to the Monster Cast. I'm your host, Captain New Japan Pro Wrestling, Jack Dahl Jr. And I am joined by back to MMA analyst Ryan Dahl. <laughs> uh, okay, so top five matches of the week. Obviously this is going to be heavily influenced by Wrestle Kingdom 14, which happened over the last two nights. Do you have anything on there forget- not from it? Yes, one. Okay. Um, okay, so I just hit you with my number five is Archer versus Moxley. Okay. Uh, my number five was White versus Naito. Yeah, I I like that one the least out of all of them. That's why it's number five. No, I mean not out of all the matches ever. <laughs> I'm just saying out of the four, out of right. the four, out of the guys with the four that were in the fucking Gold Dash. I mean, it wasn't. And do I give you that match like a on a point scale like a seven, seven point five? Out of the four, for me, I didn't really care for the the White Ibushi match. And I like Jay White, but I'm just saying the match didn't do anything for me, really. I mean, you, White I mean, Naito didn't. The Naito White match. Yeah, okay. It didn't do anything for me. I, got you. I mean, I was into it, I guess, but the match just didn't live up to what I thought it could be. Um, I thought they would actually be a lot closer. Give the Jay White uh, haters a lot more, like near falls i guess like really think that he could have won i don't know i just, I just wasn't ever like about near falls earlier no i'm not saying like a ton of them i'm just saying like that moment where you really thought oh shit jay white might actually win this i never felt that jay white had a chance to win that match ever even when gato even when gato got involved i was like okay that's that's a failure on their part to not make me believe that that's just honestly i don't think anybody coming to the, into this with any concept of the Naito storyline and the buildup for this whole thing ever thought that Jay White was going to win. And that's not a, that's not because they didn't wrestle it. Right. That's because, <laughs> I mean, that that's what they were doing with the Gato interference and stuff. Like they tried to do that. The problem is you can't at, at a certain point, it's like, um, it's like if you know that fucking Brock Lesnar's contract is up and he's not resigning and it's already been in the news that he's, retiring and whatever and then he has a match at wrestlemania like no matter how many f5s that motherfucker lands you know he's not winning the match i don't i don't really view it like that i just thought there there's been times where i knew who was going to win and then motherfuckers had me on the edge of my seat thinking i might be wrong and this was just not one of those times and it wasn't even like a barn burner of a match that's not even in my top five uh my number four five for me okay my number four is cody versus darby allen from AEW. Yeah, that was a good match. It was a fucking awesome match. It's yeah. I think it's I think it's uh because of their first match and because of everything else that happened over the last two days, it'll get lost in the shuffle, but not for me. I really liked that match a lot. It was really good. Um, you think it, you think it uh, needed more time? Uh 
by going on first, they technically could have if they wanted to, but I think, you know, the way that Cody views stuff now it... from a behind-the-scenes perspective, eh, I don't know. I think they could have toyed with it maybe going another draw again. That would have been cool. Yeah, I, I would have, or at least seen like another five minutes. But I thought it was a good match too. I just thought it was kind of short for what it was. I think it could have gone on longer and been this better. This is also a TV match compared to pay-per-view matches for the rest of the. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, so my number four was uh before you start yeah, going go on your no, number three good. like you're about to. I heard no, you. No, I wasn't going to number three. <laughs> I was going to say, all right, what's your number four? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I got a. I've got Archer versus Moxley as my number four. Actually. Okay. Um, I will say, let's talk about that match for a little bit. There were definitely a few miscommunications and slip-ups in that match. Um, so there was a couple little botches, like uh, when Archer was doing his rope walk and Moxley picked by up the way, I, By the way, when I came back and watched that again, because I got to watch it over, obviously, mm-hmm. um, while I was trying to well, I finally fix the whole stream situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got what you're saying. Like, I actually don't even know if that really was a botch at that point because it was so played off so well with him grabbing the fucking kendo stick, it actually made total sense. Right, he's like, oh, I don't want to jump down, so I'm going to fall. But he clearly fell. Like, if you watch if you watch his legs and his feet, like, that was not a deliberate get down. He 100% just fell. Um, but the way that they played it off, it made perfect sense. I think so... the camera angle helped, too, when they switched the camera angle to the inside of the ring on the other side yeah. where Moxley had the kendo stick and started banging him in the head with it. That was, right. I think that helped a lot, too. People yeah. people sleep on camera angles. Like AEW has problem with camera angles and doing the shit at the wrong time and stuff. They need to fix that. Well, there was a there was another camera angle issue too, where Moxley was throwing knees in the clinch and they were clearly not landing. Um, but that was that was more on Archer than it was on Moxley, because when you throw a a knee, um, just because of the way that legs work, <laughs> like you can only throw it so high before you're throwing a real knee. And the point of the knee in wrestling is to hit them with the top of your leg, like on your thigh. Um, and Archer wasn't bent over enough. And granted, he's like six foot eight, so it's not, you know, it's not unheard of that he may. And he's had back surgery, so um, maybe it's it's not really something that he could help. But he wasn't bent over enough in Moxley's clinch. So when Moxley was throwing the knees like he was hitting him in the face. They were like six, seven, eight inches off. Um, and the way that the camera angle was, it was very obvious, and it didn't look great. If they had had a different angle on that, and maybe if Archer had sold them each a little bit more, it would look great. Um, but if Archer, it was kind of Moxley couldn't really throw them any higher without legit shoot kneeing him in the face in a fucking tie clinch. So uh, that was another kind of little miss thing. And then uh, the choke slam on the outside where he kind of lost grip on him, and then Moxley ended up taking the bump without really being forced down in the bump because he, the hand had come off the choke slam entirely at that point, like little shit like that. Um, but overall, I mean, that was uh, obviously one of my favorite matches is number four. It didn't detract from it. And you have to remember too, that's the first time those guys have ever worked together. First guy so, that they worked together had weapons in it. Moxie's yeah. probably not used to the, the mini tables and all that other shit too. Like there's just like a lot of new shit going on with stuff that they're also used to. So it helped. High and there were still some stuff. super good spots in that match too. Yeah, the, the match was insane. I mean, and the, like, the blackout already, onto the fucking chairs. You already know why it's one of yeah. That was fucking crazy. Um, I, he I didn't really was over. see. He didn't really hit the chairs like fucking Archer hit the chairs though. Well, see, I thought Archer's bump was easier. So Archer, when he hit the chairs on on his bump, they were separated enough to where they both were. He was just going to land, and they were going to fly out from the sides. 
And the reason that the the trash can lid was on the middle like that was to kind of hide that. Oh no, I I got it back. I'm back. I mix it up. I mix it up. The four chairs was when the one Archer went through. No, four chairs was the one that Moxley went through. He took the the blackout through him. Yeah, the thing where he takes him over his head and throws him yeah. over. Okay, yeah, then I'm right. Yeah, that one was that one didn't look as good to me. It it had it was good in theory, but I think the chairs were too far apart because the chairs took like no damage. It didn't make any sense. Well, they didn't on Archer's bump either. They were also far apart, but that's kind of the he point. He hit the chairs more than – well, he's a bigger guy too, but they he hit the chairs. You could see the damage done to the chairs compared to when Moxley went through. Well, the damage – so that's what I was getting at with the lid. The damage done to the chairs is because he landed on the lid, which is bridging the two chairs. So he really took the bump on the little Pi-10 trash can lid. It wasn't really a chair bump, but either way, I mean – It still should have done something to the chair. I don't care. The little, the little tin fucking top of a trash can ain't going to protect him that much from a chair shot. Yeah. Either way, I thought they were both good. The the only bump that was like really fucking nasty obviously the last was one. The, yeah. the last one, and he got cut up somewhere. Yeah, I no never shit. saw where it was, <laughs> but it was arm. funny. It was on his arm. And in the post, he's lucky it wasn't his nuts the way that he went through that table. Yeah, it seemed like his thighs took a lot more of that than his fucking head did, because um, the way that the the metal on the legs broken. Um, but yeah, he probably cut up his his hand or his arm or something. Um, but yeah, in the post match, Moxley was trying to figure out where the fuck he was bleeding from, and then he he was like, "Oh, I thought I was bleeding on my nipple or something." And then he starts looking and realizes he's not the one that's cut. <laughs> like he's like, "Oh, okay, well, never mind." Um, like he did get cut a little bit on his forehead from that fucking helmet scrape shit at yeah. the end. Um, but no, all that blood was uh, on his hands and shit was uh, was Archer's. Throwing, yeah. throwing the chairs at each other's head as hard as they were. That was crazy Dude, shit, too. They, they did that in the Jay White Ibushi match. Too. I was like, God damn, man. You're, yeah, I know. I saw it. Your fucking understanding of CTE is about They actually did it harder in that behind, match. Buddy. I think they actually threw it harder in that match than they did in the fucking Moxley Archer They match. did. They threw that fucking shit, hard as fuck. shit straight to the fed. It was very nice. close when he did it, too. It was basically a fucking chair shot. I mean, we might as well just go ahead and call it a chair shot to the head. Yeah, that's what that it was. was. It was nasty. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what, how if they gimmicked those chairs or not, obviously. Uh, they I don't. don't. Yeah, it didn't sound like it. Um, okay, so my number two or my number three rather is Okada versus Ibushi. Uh, my number three is Naito Okada. My number two is Naito Okada. Okay, my number two is Osprey Hiromu. And my number one is Hiromu and Osprey. And my number one is Okada Ibushi. So a little bit mixed on the top three there, but they're all, you know. It's it's un it's pretty hard to deny what the best matches of the of the week were. It's pretty um, much what you're into, honestly. What you're into, who you're going for, how how hardcore you are about who you want to win to win, shit like that. Like, I feel like the reason I like Naito Okada better than Okada Obushi is I personally, literally, when I'm watching the match, I didn't feel like Obushi was going to beat Okada in that moment. Like, maybe before the show started, I thought he might have a chance, like, because you were convincing me because of your picks and stuff and the reasonings behind it and stuff. But, man, when Okada came out and he had that entrance and then the the gear and everything and everybody's behind him, I'm like, there's no way this dude's losing night one. There's no way. By the way, I don't like the way that they set up the four, the two matches on night one. I really think Ubushi should have had the the shot in night two for being the G1 winner. There's no reason he should have fucking had to go on first night one and turn into his shit when he could have easily just said, okay, I'm fighting the winner because, you know, I won the fucking G1. I mean, I should get the that, last chance. 
he wouldn't have been double champion though, because that contract is only for the world title. So he still probably would have lost. No, I get that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. I I didn't have a problem with it really. I guess if he but, did that, the only other option would be Naito versus Okada Night One. Right, which Naito didn't really earn, so it didn't make sense. Like Naito had no claim to yeah, any yeah, kind I of match it. with I know. Okada. Kevin Kelly said it like five times. The only reason he ever got in is because that last victory he had. If he didn't win that, he probably wouldn't have even been in the conversation anyway. Uh, yes, I was. Okay. I wasn't listening to the English shit, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean that's that's true. the The whole thing was that he just barely scraped his way into even having a Wrestle Kingdom match in the first place. So. All right, so there's our top five. Let's get into some other stuff around. Oh, can we talk about the um? <laughs> Do you want to talk about the the wedding? No, I don't. Let's fucking we don't, We've already talked about it. We way. talked about it on the last fucking... No, we didn't. It just happened on Monday. But we talked about the comparisons to that in the fucking AEW storyline, and I'm not I'm not doing it no more. I'm not... I'm not. That's fucking stupid. You want to talk about Jomo? We already talked about Liv Morgan getting fucked over. We've already talked about the wedding. Uh, I said, do you want to talk about Jomo? Yeah, that's right here. Shut up. First, I'm going to talk about AEW, though, because that was actually a good show. So AEW this week was actually really fucking good. Probably one of their better shows. Um, one of yeah. my favorite shows overall. You had Darby Allen versus Cody. You had The Elite versus Pack and Lucha Bros, which was fucking awesome, which was probably my number six on here, by the way. Um, let's see. Uh, you had the great four-way women's match. was re- really fucking good, surprisingly. Britt Baker teasing a heel turn on uh, Riho. Um, what else do we have? Um the Dark Order apparently has some higher power that they're going to introduce. Some guy that's over the Dark Order, I guess. And people are thinking that it's somebody. A lot of people I've heard saying that it's Matt Hardy coming up when his contract ends. And he'll yeah, be in maybe. charge uh, of the Dark Order, which would be kind of cool. Um, it would make sense for them to be able to pre-book that. Cause they, I mean, they've got time, all the they're time close. in the world. Yeah. Well, also, they all have all the time in the world. They're no in, in no rush to reveal the leader. We just wait till somebody makes sense and we can pull out the leader. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, well, hopefully they don't pull. Uh, uh, we ran out of options. So it was me, Austin. That was me all along. Yeah, but but here's another <laughs> thing. The only downside to that being with the Dark Order as well is, let's say you pull a Matt Hardy, right? Then let's say fucking you still got the Nightmare Collective, uh, Sunny Days looking dude over there, right? He's still over there. He's acting like he's the secret leader. They won't show his face on there behind the whole Nightmare Collective. Then you got the fucking uh, Blade Butcher and Bunny, and you could easily plug Marty Skrull to be Villain Enterprises. By the way, he owns Villain Enterprises, so he could still use the name in AEW. Uh, mm-hmm. He could be pulled over there. And then you got basically what everybody's complaining about, three similar storylines, and then you could literally go the same path with each one and bring in a leader for each one. And then... I guess what do you have? You have New Japan Light because you have a bunch of different stables. I mean, I don't mind the stable system because obviously you still have the elite. But just the, I mean, just doing it the exact same way three times in a row though with pulling in your leader. I mean, that's pretty much where all these stories are going. I mean, Butcher Blade and Bunny don't need a leader, so I don't. I mean, they they haven't hinted at it or anything. I mean, that's all. Keep, just if you're going to keep going after Cody, I mean, you're going to need a leader. I mean, the tag team ain't going after Cody. Ain't you're not going to win. So what's the point? That's, that's all just people fantasy booking Skrull coming in and leading them, but that's not that's not something that they've actually hinted at, at all 
on their actual programming. So, uh, Nightmare Collective stuff. I don't know who the fuck that guy is, and I don't think it's super important. I'm pretty sure it's Sunny Days. You know, um, regardless, it's not. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it. I. The complaint is more. I think it's less about. Oh, we have a secret leader. I think it's more like. Oh, we have so many spooky stables. <laughs> like it's. That's weird to me that they've got so many similar groups. Um, it'd be like if you had fucking WWE with just like No Way Jose's group and then how the New Day used to be and then like <laughs> a bunch of other people is like your top three like Adam Rose's group. Yeah, party train shit. Yeah, so it's and those are your top three stables. Like, bro, these are all just party stables. Like, why are we? What is this? That's kind of the same thing. So I mean, they kind of had that already in the Attitude Era. They had the fucking uh, shit, uh, Disciples of Apocalypse, Nation of Domination, the Los Periquas. They were all just gangs. That's all they were. Just like a bunch of fucking stables of gangs. <laughs> That's all. That's fucking dumb. And then you got Crime Time in the mix. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me that much. I mean, it's a little weird. I do wish that they had a little bit more. Uh. I almost like creativity because they are still pretty different each group, but yeah, it's it's definitely too too many of similar stables. Um, so now but yeah, we, so I mean, now we officially get Riho versus Chris Statlander in Mississippi next week. Um, and no, I'm not going. It's five hours away. I wish I could because I definitely would have tried even harder if I would have known I would have got to see that match because it got pushed back. Um, but uh, yeah, so Chris Statlander versus. Riho for the title next week. Yeah. Who do you got? Uh, who who do I think they're gonna let win, or who do I want to win? Both. Hmm. Uh, I'd rather see Statlander win, but I don't think they're gonna do that. Do you think? I think do you think Nightmare Collective costs her the victory, and they just continue with that storyline? I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I just don't see them taking the title off of Riho at a at a televised show. I don't see them being able to have Riho beat her cleanly, not because of Riho, but because of the way they build up Statlander. Right. So something has to happen. It wouldn't make any sense. It might just be a bullshit finish, too. What about B. Priestley coming back and joining the Nightmare Collective? Because she got changed just like the bunny did, and then she feuds with Chris Statlander a little bit, because we haven't seen her in a little bit anyway. Also, she was in yeah. Japan, obviously. Right. Well, her and Renee Young both. Um, a lot of people were, yeah. actually. but <laughs> You see uh, Renee Young's fucking name tag backstage? No. Just said Mrs. Moxley. It's fucking, I don't know, it's funny. And just keeping strong kayfabe in the backstage area. Um, but yeah, uh, I I don't see them having Rio lose the title on TV. There's probably going to be some bullshit shenanigans, whatever. And then it's going to lead to like a tag team match between Statlander and Rio versus whoever the fuck next week or something. Melanie Cruz and whatever. Um, yeah, so predictions. Uh, so Rio is still you, the champion so at the end, regardless of what happens. Okay, so where do you think they're going to go for Revolution? Because Revolution's not that far away now. It's only, what, February something. I can't remember the exact date. I mean, Hold on. They could just give her a rematch for the title at Revolution. It's not a big deal. But do you think they have a multi-person match in it? AEW Revolution. Oh, oh, another thing that happened. Uh, MJF named his stipulations, so we gotta have a cage match. We're gonna have the very first cage match in AEW history. Where it's going to be Cody versus Wardlow, and if he can beat Wardlow, then he gets to fight MJF at Revolution, as long as he doesn't touch MJF by then. Yeah, so here's what I want to know. 
Are they going to bring back the fucking giant squared blue steel cage? That's what I want. I've been calling uh, it since AEW formed. I literally sent Cody a tweet <laughs> when they formed. No joke. That was like one of the first things I said. I said, I love that you guys started a promotion or whatever. I want the big blue cage. Bring back the big blue cage. And surprisingly, I'm not alone in that. Everybody wants the big blue cage. One, you can see the match better. Two, it just looks cool and different. Three, it's easier to climb for the wrestlers. Why the fuck mm. not? Maybe it's not as safe to hit, though. But it definitely looks better to hit. Like, everybody knows running into chain link fence doesn't really hurt that bad because it bends. Not unless you're Arn Anderson or Ric Flair in War Games. Yeah. Getting grinded against the motherfucker. Um, <laughs> right. But also, in case anybody doesn't know, because we haven't talked about it on here, um, AEW Revolution sold out in under an hour. So everybody that's bitching about, you know, the TV shows and how they look empty but don't want to talk I about know that. it's almost like don't want to talk about WWE. have a lot of interest in it but not enough interest to go yeah talk about when they sell out shit and uh <laughs> the building that they're running seats just over ten thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars ten thousand people for basketball games so they will probably have more than that right you would think they'll have more than ten thousand people in there for sure if it's since over ten thousand for basketball games and a ring is only a part of the court and you're gonna have chairs sitting around the ring for the first you know, five rows or whatever. Um, it's got to be over 10,000 tickets sold, you would think. But yeah, that's February 29th at the end of the February. So they do have two months to figure out what they're going to do after this uh, women's title match. When do you think they're going to do the cage match, though? That's got to be on TV because Revolution... Obviously, it will be taking place by Cody and Wardlow. Also, how the fuck do you have Wardlow debut and lose? Uh, they got to have him that, fight somebody else first, right? Yeah, like I was, knock I was, I was asking, shit and fuck him up. Right, I was thinking, like, are, are they going to have him do something, like, on television first, like an, another warm-up match yeah. or something like that, just to establish him as a threat first? Because otherwise, it's kind of silly. Yeah. The other thing they could do is um, just have Wardlow fucking beat him. And then Cody has to, like, go out of his way to beg even more for the fucking match. Do we think that we get Adam Page versus Moxley at uh, Revolution? Is that where they're going with that? Uh, I mean, I not know, Moxley. That's, my bad. Adam Page I mean, versus Omega. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't really make any Adam sense. Adam Page versus Omega. Omega. Moxley versus Jericho, obviously. I'm not stupid. Yeah. But, yeah. Page versus Omega at Revolution. Yeah, probably. It seems like that's where they're going. Um, I did love all the memes of his little commentary drinkings, like, <laughs> and looking at the camera like a fucking Full House character. <laughs> his little name shows up on the banner. Um, yeah, uh, it seems like they're going that way, and it's like a, um, they have time to to keep building that, but that's that's clearly what they've been building too. The problem is, neither one of them can really afford that loss. Well, they can now. The records are being reset. No, I'm I'm just talking about I understand from a record point of view they both can just from a continuity point of view if you have Paige lose then where do you put him you give him a shot at their mid-card title which they've been rumored to want to debut in this year and yeah, maybe but I don't see Omega losing that match he's I mean especially so one of the nice things about the the show last week was that you could kind of tell that they took the criticism seriously about them not getting over their main guys and, and being too scared because they're EVPs to put themselves over. Yeah. Um, well, that, I mean, I feel like that 
that was planned the entire time, though. Like, everybody acts like they're just reacting to them, but no, they're not. They're just fucking doing what the fuck they want to do, and, and they're doing it in the way that they want to do it. Like, that video package, I'm sure it took a little bit to do. Like, to set up that whole thing, they know what the fuck they're doing, is basically my point. The long-term storytelling is there, just people aren't fucking patient enough to wait for it to play out. That's what I'm saying. You can't have it both ways. You can't complain about, man, I really wish we would get those old school storylines that lasted a year. And then you you're st you fucking have somebody that says, okay, we're going to do storylines. And then two weeks in, you're like, why aren't they doing anything with this person? Or why are this person keeps losing? What? Can you fucking wait? Let it play mm -hmm. out. But yeah, the, the, uh. I, because they had the little video package at the beginning for the elite of how the, it's not fun. And it, they thought it was going to be more fun than this. And they keep losing and all this stuff. And then... Cody wins, then the Elite win, Cody come out, celebrate, they try to get Paige in the ring, Paige doesn't want to come in there, because Paige has been drinking the whole fucking show, um, and he doesn't really want to be associated with the Elite. Um, apparently they're supposed to tag again soon, next week I believe, according to Paige on commentary. Omega and Paige are supposed to tag against, I don't know who, Lucha Bros maybe? Yeah, I don't think it was. You sure? Was it Lucha Brothers? Sure it was Lucha Brothers. Yeah, maybe. And then they're also supposed to have like a um, ode to Memphis wrestlers as well next week because they'll be in. Actually, I don't know why they're doing that. It's going to be on next week's, but is it next week's in fucking Mississippi? So why would you do an ode to fucking. Yeah, it's in Mississippi. I guess because it's at the top of Mississippi. Because it's literally like five hours away from us. It's all the way at the top of Mississippi. But yeah, they're doing a um, legend, uh, tribute to Legends of Miss Memphis Wrestling, which includes Jimmy Valiant, Austin Idol, Angelo, Poffo, Randy Savage, Rock and Roll Express, Brian Christopher, not Jerry the King Lawler, of course, which kind of downplays the entire thing. Well, obviously, we understand why he can't, but still, it's still kind of yeah. dumb to do. And then uh, Eddie Gilbert and his dad, uh, Tommy Gilbert. Are we sure that Jerry the King Lawler's not going to show up? Yeah, I'm sure he's not going to show up. How sure? 100%. I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure he could do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> like, what's WWE going to do? They'll fire him, but okay. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, they would. I promise you they would. He definitely would not be on Raw next week. Or the week after, rather. Well, the thing, the weird thing about Jerry the King Lawler too is, you know that motherfucker still does indie bookings. He can do whatever he wants as far as that goes, but AEW is a whole different animal. Like he wrestles on indie bookings. Yeah, I know. He's been doing that but ever not, since he got into but WWE he's not, the very first time but when he's he was not still young enough to take wrestle. A bump on WWE, but he's out there having actual matches. Okay. That's just weird to me. Rick Flair could go because the whole thing where they, if he wanted to. The whole thing where they put where Brock Lesnar put Dio Madden through the fucking table. It was because Jerry the King Lawler wasn't cleared to take a bump. Jerry the King right? Lawler wasn't a, wasn't cleared to take a Brock Lesnar bump, is what that was. He's not cleared to take any bump. He ain't fucking. He ain't taking no Brock Lesnar bumps on these indie bookings that he's taking. I promise you. Yeah. Out there slapping on the old headlock. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that it is kind of weird to have a, a, a Memphis themed show at all without him on there. Yeah. But. Same. Um, and then, 
moving on from AEW, John Morrison and Sheamus both returned to SmackDown Live Friday night. Um, How do you feel about the Morrison debut? I like it I'd... because I called it. The, I would like to see him back with The Miz if they're not going to push him to the world title picture right away. So, yeah, it made sense for me. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, how they did it. I don't care Like, he just shows it. up in a backstage segment. I mean, everybody like, knew it was coming. They announced it on backstage. They announced it on Raw and SmackDown the week before. So it's not it's not that big of a deal to have him just show up with his friend that he's been friends with forever, former tag team champion, partner. Miz is turning heel, right? At least that's what we think, judging from what happened on SmackDown. See, but I think, I think a cooler way to do that would have been, like, Miz, after the match, is mad at somebody that... Like Ali or whatever, like he loses to somebody that maybe he shouldn't lose to, gets mad, starts beating the shit out of somebody, and then John Morrison comes out and like calms him down, something like that. I don't know because it doesn't seem like they're going straight heel with it, like right off the bat. He's still kind of, I don't know. It's a slow burn. I don't know. So. I think I think Morrison's going to definitely be heel because you got you got Fiend is the main whatever the fuck he is, and Daniel Bryan's already the main face. Yeah. I mean, you can't have another face right now. I mean, Miz did attack Kofi after the match, so I guess maybe they've already... Uh, do you think that was... I mean, that's obviously kind of a heel thing to Depends do. Depends on what but... happens next week. He could come out Friday right. and apologize or some bullshit, and you could still yeah. continue the slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think they're going with it, too. I don't think it was like a full... You could also... I don't know, man. He oh, was, by he the was way, yelling a lot on I the I mean, ramp, this bro. ain't... I mean, I do think that they're turning them. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but yes, it will eventually be the Miz and Morrison versus the New Day for the tag titles is what I believe is going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. That's another one of those things, too, where I feel like they're underusing Morrison already. Like, it's cool to make the callback to his old tag team and all that shit, but Morrison's, I think, is beyond this level on the card. And if they... If they put him in a tag team program and, and have him win the tag team titles or whatever with the Miz, I think that's uh, kind of a step down to maybe what he should be doing. Maybe part of it is fucking uh, getting him reacclimated with the new audience because I mean this is a whole different audience that he was in fr- than he was in front of before. So I mean that's a lot of years yeah. that passed. Eight years that's a big deal in wrestling. That's a lot of time. So. Yeah, I mean, he never was. He never had the name recognition of fucking Hardy Boys coming back or anything like that. So yeah. Also, the Hardy Boys came back twice before that. So Jeff Hardy came back two or three times. Yeah. Won the world title. Left again. Won the world title. Won, won the world title two or three times actually. Left again and then came back again. So yeah, yeah, it's not even close to the same thing as that. Um, do you also think that? Morrison being heel has something to do with Edge still possibly coming back in the rumors because he'll be going to SmackDown if that if that's true. Oh, Edge. Um, yeah, so yeah, there was the rumors about him showing up at the town where they do all the medical testing shit and re-signing a long-term deal and all that. Um, I'm I was wondering if they weren't. <laughs> so they hired uh, I think it's Dan Rickert, Rickert, whatever, who to produce all their podcast content now mm-hmm. because the new day has their own bulk content or like produce content or whatever. Yes. And then the stone cold sessions or whatever. I'm wondering if the five year deal wasn't them acquiring edge and Christian's podcast to do it like a WWE produced thing. Because as soon as the rumors came out about him getting cleared and all that, and of course he was on Twitter like, no, I'm not cleared and I'm not going to show up at Royal Rumble. But obviously he would have to say that if he was, so it doesn't mean a whole lot. 
Um, I don't know either way, man. I mean, it'd be cool to see him come back, but I, uh, I, I don't want to assume that's what all that shit was because there's a lot more it could be too. He's been doing a lot of commentary work and they're branching out into podcast stuff now. It kind of, and a five year deal for somebody that you're not sure about his injury status too seems kind of weird. Like I would think that it would be a shorter deal. Yeah. So seems more likely to me that it's an administrative position, not a, not a wrestling thing. Um, I mean, like I said though, it'd be cool if he was cleared. Uh, I don't know how well he's going to hold up as far as his in ring work after all this time. But, uh, even if he just comes out and does a fucking spear spot or something, it'd be cool. I mean, he's done that before. I don't even remember on who now. Elias. So long ago. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's clearly, I, I don't know if he's cleared to take a bump, but he's definitely cleared to spear at least. Um, okay. So back to Wrestle Kingdom right quick before we move on. Um, Jericho has tweeted out the, for, the forbidden door is closed, but I don't think it needs to be closed. Put aside all the hurt feelings and egos. Chris Jericho wants AEW and NJPW to work together. Of course he does, because that's more money for that well, motherfucker. He's already, I mean, he's going to make the money regardless, because he already said that he fully expects he'll be on next year's Wrestle Kingdom, so he'll yep. be at Wrestle Kingdom 15. As will Moxley, because we all know Moxley said that, like you said, he'll be wrestling with Japan basically whenever he wants to, because it's in his contract with AEW that he can. So as long as they got something for him, he has no problem Which going over there. Which is the only reason New Japan is leaving titles on him. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, for all the talk about Jericho and, uh, or not Jericho, but all the talk about AEW and New Japan disliking one another, New Japan sure the hell had no problem letting their AEW guys go 3-0 and over this weekend. So, I mean, it's not that big. I don't think it's, I don't think yeah, it's as... Yeah, fucking Bullet Club went 1-6. and six. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, right? Um, talk about a major fall. From... Well, see, that's the thing, though. Bullet Club seems to always lose at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, last year, they lost every match except for Jay White beating uh, Okada. Well, G.O.D. So... always fucking loses at Wrestle Kingdom, it seems. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, see, that's, that's another reason I had them going over, too, is because, like, I was just like, man, you, you can't have them lose again, right? But, yeah, I guess they can. The, Wrestle Kingdom 2 is supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be kind of like a feel-good show, too. So, like, all all the people that you really want to see win generally win. Um, obviously not the case with the Tanahashi match, but they got to keep Chris Jericho credible, and he's already lost his two last major matches. Um, but, yeah, like, I, uh, I, I wasn't – I wasn't surprised to see uh, Juice and, and Finley win, but I was surprised to see G.O.D. lose, if that makes sense. So – it's just like, how many times can you book them to fucking lose before they start being seen as a non-credible threat anytime they're in a, like, a major WK match? But here's what it is. I like them a lot. Also, I think their contracts are up soon, too. Uh, that's what I've heard. So The thing is, though, I don't, I don't see Tama ever leaving. Like, him and Fale and... Even like guys like Rocky Romero and all them, like they're they're pretty much there for life. Like they're just they're so ingrained in the in the organization. I don't I don't ever see, especially not Fale. Like where the fuck's he gonna go? Yeah, like it's not gonna be a draw anywhere. And you know I I, know. I like his I like his role there and stuff. I don't really like his in ring work, but I like his role and I understand I, I appreciate what he does there. What in ring uh, work exactly? 
Well, he does a really good shoulder tackle. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. His um his uh I don't even remember what the fuck it's called, but his, his razor's edge basically is pretty good. Um Yeah, I uh I don't see them leaving. I mean they they did their little branch out thing with ROH and beat up the Briscoes or whatever and that was cool, I guess, but they definitely don't need to go anywhere else. They're going to be made for life if they stay in New Japan. I mean, Tom has OG Bullet Club, like, or literally from when it started. I think he's the, is he the last one there that was there when it very first started? Who that? Tom Atanga. Uh, he's definitely an original because he says it all the time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if he's the, the only one left. Because um, I don't think Ballet was there when they started. I don't know. He was there with uh, Finn Balor. Yeah, it was. Like, cause I know he would always come out right on his shoulders, but um, I don't remember if he was considered part of the Bullet Club when it started. I don't remember. Because I don't remember if he came in later. But Yes, Fale is an original member. The, uh, four, the original members was Fale, Tonga, Devitt, Carl Anderson. Yeah. Well, there you go. <clears throat> Fucking man, that's crazy to me sometimes to see Carl Anderson in, in WWE and just realize like that man fucking was in a G1 final once. And now he's jobbing to shitty tag teams. Well, WWE best tag team. He is part of the best tag team in the world. Oh, and also mm. Gallows came in very shortly after, obviously because they were a tag team or made right. into a tag team. But yeah, so yeah, those are the original members, or those are considered the five original members. But Gallows is not considered technically. An original right. member, but yeah, he's pretty much an original member, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll allow it. Um, but yeah, that's who your original member is. But it's weird to me that you were mentioning how like somebody could come from nothing, um, one year and be something the next year in Wrestle Kingdom, and then, but then you're like shocked that they didn't go with Abushi, but Abushi lost to Osprey last year in Wrestle Kingdom 13 for. When he was the champion for the Never Open Weight Championship and lost to Osprey, so you really think they would have made the jump from him losing to Osprey one year when Osprey wasn't heavyweight yet, and then win both titles the next year? Yeah, I mean that's but what I was saying was the exact opposite of that point. So it's that you can go so far, but that's year. that's like, a little so too far. You think Lance Archer losing in a fucking gauntlet tag match is less to of a, a jump US than title? defending the U.S. title? Yeah, that's a less of a jump, yes. Then winning both titles and making history as the first person ever in New Japan history to win titles on back-to-back nights, the two main titles, yes. After but losing he also in, won, after losing in the second match on the Wrestle G1. He won the G1. It's different. He won the whole fucking G1. I, okay. Here's the, so here's the thing about I'm winning saying the that's G1, a big jump, too. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything about it, but I mean that G1 was that was the peak of his jump, is what I'm saying. Like anything after that, it would have been too much. Like well, s- he's lucky he got changed, that. Since they introduced the uh, G1 winner challenges for the title, yeah. How shit, long have they been doing that, by the way? About 11 years, and the only person to win the G1 and win the title match at Wrestle Kingdom is Tanahashi, and he probably wouldn't have won if Omega wasn't leaving. So. That was that was kind of another reason I thought they would give it to Ibushi too. It's just like how long can you keep doing the G1 Challenger so I, almost never wins thing. So besides just being in the fucking main event of Wrestle Kingdom, then I I almost like feel like if I was in the G1, I wouldn't even want to win. I mean, like I said, it's happened once, but it was 
Clearly, that just was because last I'm year. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's not something I want to be a part of. As that's the winner. Fuck that. I'd rather be known as just having good matches in it, like a Lance Archer, and then getting something out of it later. Yeah. Um, maybe. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, well, we Okada's Okada, so I can't really make that same parallel. Okada, Okada won his. G1 and then got his ass beat by no, Tanahashi. No, I'm just saying, because of last year in the WrestleMania, he lost to Jay White in just a singles match. But I'm not really going to compare Okada's jump to Abushi's jump because Okada was still Okada last year. So it's not it's not the same. Well, the whole thing was Okada wasn't Okada last year. Like, that was the, that was his whole storyline. Like, he was out of it. He was... But he's still Okada. I don't give a fuck. That's completely yeah. different. But I get what you're he saying. He came out wearing pants he had, instead of trunks. He had a bad – well, he was wearing pants for a little bit, actually. Um, yeah. I think he was wearing pants the whole time like Jay White was introduced into his group and then he turned on him, right? Some shit like that? Yeah. 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 So Okada was having his little mental crisis after he lost to Omega and was doing the weird shit with all the balloons and the hair color and the wearing pants instead of trunks and looking coked out 24-7. That seems to be a very um, common wrestling theme in New Japan, by the way. You, you get a couple losses in a row, high-profile losses after being on top, and you suddenly go crazy. Well, Hiromu never came back from it, so... <laughs> Her room is just like that 24-7. Anyway. Um, are we going to talk about the wedding now? No. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> um, I mean, the NXT shit was an award show, so yeah. didn't really have anything there. Also, I mean, you could talk about the ratings for ADLB right quick if you want to, considering that they oh. have no challengers. Yeah, they almost hit a million again, um, not counting DVR numbers, which I think I was talking to you about this a little bit too. Was, Do you think it's still weird it's, that NXT got 500k for an award show, though? I think a lot of that is... Um, Flip over? It could be that, or it could just be people that... I mean, 500k, it was like, ratings-wise, as far as ranking, it was like 60th or 50-something, or 60-something, I don't remember. It was like it's pretty low as far as cable shows go. So it's not like it's a, a crazy big number. The difference between being 10th and being 60th is only a few hundred thousand. Um, so it sounds like a lot, but it's it's really not a lot. Nielsen ratings, too, um, the way that they're measured now is kind of weird. Like, it doesn't count DVR plays and stuff like that. So... Um, who knows how many people were actually watching AEW on DVR or whatever after the end of the week. I think I think the projected numbers were like with DVR numbers would be like a one and a half million versus who knows how many were actually watching back the NXT award show. Probably not many. Yeah. Um, Cause you could just look up online who won the awards. You don't need to get see all the clips that they were showing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still not a bad number for, a, for what's basically a clip show. Um, but what I was going to say is that it kind of shows that when they have those, you know, 800 to 700 or 800 to 800 nights, there's a lot more crossover than than you really think. Because the number total for both shows was still about 1.4, 1.5 million. And it's usually about, you know, 1.6 million when it's both of them competing head to head. So it does seem like more people went from watching the the weekly NXT, and we're like, oh, shit, it's just an award show. Let me go check out AEW this week. Um, whereas before, it kind of seemed like they were totally different audiences for, like, a, about a third of them. I don't know. It's just uh, an interest. 
I wish that they were better. This is kind of what I was starting to get to with the Nielsen shit earlier. I wish that they were better trackers of like this household was watching NXT. Like this many households were watching NXT last week, but were watching AEW this week or something like that. Um, I'm sure they have that data, uh, but it's probably like um, just to see how much crossover appeal there really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like those numbers, but I don't think that's something that they release publicly. I would like to see those too, just because you want to see: Are we fighting for the same audience? Do we need to go in a certain direction with our programming to see what we can do, or is right. is WWE really stealing viewers from us? By doing what they were doing earlier with the Survivor Series shit, with the crossover for their own shit to try to get fans. Or were, or were we just losing our normal people? Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And again, the two really low dip shows on AEW were the the holiday show. It was like literally the night before fucking Thanksgiving, which isn't abnormal to have a low rating on that. Um, and then the other one was... The other one they lost, they didn't lose by a ton, but, I mean, it was still a noticeable dip. But, yeah, I mean, their New Year's show was really good. Hopefully they'll be back on the upswing and not have to worry about it anymore. I think that was a great great fucking time to have a good show, by the way. When you have that many people watching it and then you deliver with a show like that, I think the carryover will be pretty nice. It's like, yeah, we got no competition this week, so we know we've got more eyes. Let's fucking... Let's do some good shit. Let's have the elite go over yeah. Lucha Brothers and Pac in the main event. Let's have fucking Cody and Darby Allen put on a, a really good – here's why that one didn't make my top five and I remember now. It's that goddamn commercial break. It killed the momentum of the match for me. Yeah, the commercial break had a spot in it where they actually had a near fall in it. In yeah, the, I just – Yeah, and I was like, damn, that would have been cool to see on TV. And you see all the fans go nuts because they don't know that they're a commercial. So they thought it was like – a possibility for him to win. And of course, you can't fucking hear anything, which takes it out. I mean, I'm, I get. Thank you for letting me see it, but still, like, if you're gonna do near falls and shit, just have Sammy Guevara out there with his fucking cards every time that there's a picture in picture. Yeah, that was pretty funny, actually. That was pretty good. <laughs> and then they cut him off. <laughs> they always cut him off. No, no, I'm saying they cut to like a commercial that went full screen. I know. Yeah, that was fucking they, bullshit. He's done it twice. Oh, he's done it twice. It every time. I've seen it one time. Yeah. Okay. I, I, oh, they did it once when he was in the ring doing a promo with Jericho, and he had cards for everything no, that's Jericho the one I was saw. saying. That's the one I saw. Oh, okay. So there was another one after that. Oh, okay. So he did one with Dustin? Uh, I don't I don't remember. Yeah, he was talking about it was which thing he was going to break this time. Or oh, okay. Yeah, pictures, I didn't like the that. broken hand yeah, yeah. and broken foot right. and whatever. Must yeah. must getting food or a drink or something. But yeah, I didn't see that one. But that's funny. So th- I guess that's going to be a common thing. That'd be, that would be funny. That'd be cool. Yeah. It's a very WCW thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is the new Lodi, <laughs> yeah. or the WWE, or the ECW sign guy for Dudley yeah. Boys? Guy, use my sign. All right, cool. So uh, I give Wrestle Kingdom an A. You gave it an A plus. I um, I do like the split days. By the way, I think WrestleMania could do that and use that to their advantage, like they did this year with the double dash thing. Um. Where if you win in night one, you get added to a match or put in a match for night two. That yeah, it's got a ton of potential. Yeah, WWE. exactly. Um, I love it. Um, especially with like the Andre the Memorial, uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, they could do something with that. You don't it doesn't have to be the world title every time, you know. Right. So, so yeah, that that would be cool. Um, you just get inserted into a match that turns it into a three way instead of a for Intercontinental or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah I mean it makes sense. Yeah, or you know just uh. Move Royal Rumble to April and then have Royal Rumble night one and then night two is WrestleMania. What I would do, how far away is Elimination Chamber? 
Elimination Chamber is in February, but I don't know the actual date, if that's what you're asking. The wrestle, no, no, Elimination Chamber is always in between the two, yeah. I would say if you win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, then you should get like a spot in something like Elimination Chamber or whatever. Or you get like to pick your... Um, yeah, but the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Royal... Or, God damn so it. far away no, is oh, the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, and you can't put it with the Royal Rumble because it wouldn't make any sense. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I get where you're going with that, but it's just that the logistics of that doesn't make any sense. I mean, not specifically Elimination Chamber, but something no, like no, that. No, I get it. Well, what about, what about, okay, what about they announced this year the first ever, I don't know, well, I don't think it'll be the first ever, but three-way match for the, well, it won't be the first ever because Daniel Bryan won a three-way match, but... Um, first ever time in WWE history where the Royal Rumble winner automatically gets to go and the Elimination Chamber winner automatically gets to go to WrestleMania to fight the world champion. And it's a three-way. If you... Well, no, or you could just have them fight for different world titles, because they got two. Yeah, just but, give the but Royal Rumble... There's too many give people the Royal in, Rumble winner the first choice. Yeah, but there's too, no, there's too many people in... I mean, you, if you're doing brand split, you can't do it like that. You get what I'm saying? Okay, so like... Okay, how about this? The Royal Rumble winner, right? Say, if the Royal Rumble winner is from Raw, then the SmackDown Elimination Chamber is the one that goes automatically. Like, you only have one Elimination Chamber, and it's all SmackDown guys. Or if an NXT guy comes up, wins Royal Rumble somehow, then Raw or SmackDown gets the Elimination Chamber to go to their title. Something like that. I don't know. NXT is not winning the Royal Rumble, so you don't really have that problem, but still, you get what I'm saying. Gulak could do it. All right. So A A plus. Looking forward to the women's title. Um, that's pretty much all we got this week, man. Yeah, I guess so. Um, gonna be fun to see what AEW comes out with and see if they can uh, pull ahead with the lead. I don't know what's going on with NXT next week because you know they had the award show. They really haven't okay. announced anything. So, and then of course I will be watching live tonight. By the way, um, I'll text you later. Uh, see if you want to watch it. But I will be watching New Year's Dash. Just so you know. Me too. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, can't wait for that to see what the hell's going on and see if somebody comes out and breaks Kenta's legs for us. Um, <laughs> anybody at this point. Uh, who was the guy that came out to run him off? Uh, that was Bushi, wasn't it? Yeah, Bushi. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, maybe he'll break his legs or something. I don't know. Uh, all right. So uh, thank you for joining us here on the MonsterCast, and we will uh, see you guys next week.